Well, hey, everybody, come on. We are getting closer and closer to Vision Sunday. It's so good to have you here. If you're here for the first time to our online church, we haven't met yet. My name is Jean Michel, and I'm one of the leaders here at Victory. And we're excited to be exploring a whole new season with this church. Come on. We have a whole new season coming, and that's all going to be launched and talked about at Vision Sunday coming up at the end of the month. You cannot miss out. It's going to be great. But for now, we are in a series called Authors. Authors, come on. We've been talking about who the New Testament authors were, who they were, and why they wrote what they wrote. So we can better understand the Word. Come on, the Bible is the most important, most beautiful, most amazing thing you'll ever read. It's so life-giving. It's life-changing. But it's not always easy to understand. It's not always easy. And so we're endeavoring, especially at the beginning of the year, to really start to open up the Word so that through this year, God can speak to us through His Word. If you've ever been challenged or found it difficult to read the Bible, then this series is for you. And it's a resource. Every time you come back to it, you, um, you can, anytime you're reading a book that we've covered, you can come back. You can see what it's about, who the author was, why he wrote what he wrote, so that it can minister to you. If you've ever struggled, man, I believe that this series, more than any other series, is going to build you up as a believer and strengthen your faith. And today, we're hitting the first of the two big guns of the New Testament. Come on, the first of, the, of two big guns of the New Testament. You can imagine who they are, right? We're talking about Paul and Peter, the two big guns of the New Testament. And today, we're talking about Peter. We're bringing Peter up. And we're going to talk about this guy. He was an awesome leader, follower of Jesus. And as we open up this this uh, message today, let's just pray. Let's let God have his way. Holy Spirit, we ask you today that you would come and open up our minds. You would challenge us in our hearts and in our souls. Father, to grow up, Lord, I pray that you teach us today something new, something beautiful about your word. Thank you, Father, for the beauty of your word. And I pray that as we speak about Peter, you will teach us something fresh and something new. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Church, come on. Who was Peter? Peter was a fisherman. He was a fisherman, right? He wasn't an educated guy. He wasn't a scholar. He didn't go to theological seminary. He was a fisherman. And in the real sense of the word, right? He was a bit rough around the edges. He was a good guy. Check this out. Peter was married. Some of us don't know that, or some of us have never really heard about it, or don't really approach marriage in the New Testament much. But it's so beautiful to see that, that Peter was married. We know this because he had a mother-in-law, right? So you, if to have a mother-in-law, you have to have a wife, right? And so Peter was married. He may have had kids. We don't hear about his wife or his kids, but we know that they were there. We know that they existed. And it's beautiful because it shows us that ministers and disciples of Jesus should live full lives, be married, have families, do all this stuff, right? Because God wants us to lead full lives. He wants us to lead full, full lives. Peter spoke a big game. Come on. If you've ever heard about Peter before, maybe you're new to church and all of this is new. Peter 
Man, if you read in the Gospels, you hear about this guy, Peter. He was impetuous, man. He was like, he was the first one in. He spoke a big game, right? He was the first one in. He was always there. He was the loudest. He liked to act tough. He liked to act as if he was fearless. Come on. Peter liked to act as if he was a fearless. But he actually needed a whole lot of support. He needed a lot of support. You see, Peter is a guy of firsts. Peter was a guy of firsts. He was the first one out the gate. He was the first one to scream, the first one to shout, the first one to tell Jesus, I'm there for you. He was the one who wanted to be seen. He wanted to be known. He wanted to be the one first every time. When he was called by Jesus, him and his brother Andrew both dropped their nets immediately and followed without question. Right? That's the type of guy he was. Jesus called him. He said, I'm in. I'm fully in. As time goes on, Peter is first to look for Jesus. He's first to make his opinion known. He's first to try something new, but he's also, come on, he's also first to flee when times get tough. Come on, that's hard, but it's real. Peter was the first one to say to everyone he was a follower of Jesus, but he was also the first one to leave Jesus when times got tough. He had some growing up to do. But that's so, what's so beautiful about Peter's story is that he's not perfect. He's not this ideal religious leader who looked and sounded the part. In fact, he's the complete opposite. You know, he never let his shortcomings stop him from becoming who God wanted him to be. That's huge. Come on, that's huge for you and me. I don't know if you've ever felt this way, like maybe you have a lot of shortcomings. I feel that way, man. There are so many things in my life that I, I wish I did better. I wish I thought better. I wish I spoke better. There's so many parts of my life that I wish I did better at. I wish I was more complete, more whole, more healthy. I wish that I, I did things better. I have shortcomings. But Peter didn't let his shortcomings stop him, and neither will we. We move forward. Peter had a faith in Jesus that was almost childlike. Check this out. Famously, he walks on the water at Jesus' command, and he is the only disciple to do so. How's that, right? He is the only disciple, the only one to walk on the water. Childlike faith. He believed at Jesus' command. But he has one fatal flaw, one fatal flaw. So if you're watching from home right now, uh, what do you think Peter's fatal flaw was? All right, post in the chat. Let us know, let us know. What do you think his fatal flaw was? Maybe he was too overzealous. Maybe he was a little bit arrogant. Maybe he didn't think things through. Mm, what was Peter's fatal flaw? I'll tell you what it was. Peter's fatal flaw is that he could not operate by himself. You might think, well, is that a fatal flaw? Very much so. You see, the only time you find Peter on his own is when he denies Jesus and runs away. That is the only time you see Peter on his own. Peter could not operate by himself. He could not operate by himself. He couldn't. He needed people around him. 
He needed to be seen by people. He needed to be known by people. He had a fatal flaw. He wasn't comfortable by himself. But he was called to be a leader in the church. He was called to be a leader. And you know that leaders need to be able to operate by themselves. Because by nature, leaders step out into spaces where there's no one. Into spaces that are dangerous. Into spaces that are difficult. And he needed to be able to operate by himself. Come on, how many of us feel this way? How many of us feel this way today? How many of us feel this way? You know, sometimes I even struggle to call people on the phone. I don't know, am I the only one? Am I the only one that feels this way? Sometimes I struggle to just call people on the phone. I I feel alone. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe if I have to meet someone. Some of us are struggling in relationships. We we, want to be in a relationship, but we struggle to talk to people. We, we struggle to go out on our own, to go out on a limb, to do something by ourselves. We need people around us because it's like that safety blanket. But come on, you and I, we, we're born to be leaders. The church is not supposed to be peripheral to the world. The world is supposed to be peripheral to the church. We are leaders. We're leaders in business, in industry. We're leaders in the church. We should be leading and we need to be able to grow up just a little bit. There's so much anxiety that exists around being on your own. So much anxiety. And there's so much of this that we face in our current climate, our world, our generation. We face anxiety, social anxiety, political anxiety, financial anxiety, so much anxiety everywhere. And this includes the idea of being on our own. This is where Peter needed to grow up because he needed to be a leader. A real leader needs to be able to walk out into the unknown before anyone else follows. Now I want you to see something as we open up because we're going to talk about Peter's writings. This is who Peter was. Remember, this series is all about who the person was and why they wrote what they wrote. Peter's writings are all about identity. Come on, if you're taking notes, write that down. Peter's uh, writings are all about identity. See, Peter needed an identity that was rooted and framed in Jesus, in God's call for his life. Because he could have put his identity in any other part of his life. That maybe he wasn't the smartest in the room. Maybe he wasn't the most academic in the room. Maybe he put his identity as a fisherman. This is who I am. Not just what I do, this is who I am. Maybe he would have put his identity in his marriage because he needed people around. So to have his wife around and his family around, that's where his identity is. But you know that God needed needed him to have his identity rooted in who Jesus said he was. Come on. Peter would later become one of the leaders in the Jerusalem church, but he wouldn't stay there. Check this out. We think about Peter as being there in Jerusalem and leading the Jerusalem church, and that's true. He did do that. He did that a lot, but he wouldn't stay there. In fact, he would venture out into the Roman Empire, eventually settling down in Rome itself. He planted churches all over Asia Minor and settled in Rome. See, Peter had to go out. He couldn't just stay where it was safe. He couldn't just stay in Jerusalem where it was safe. 
Even though it wasn't safe, it was a safety blanket. It was something he knew, a place he knew. He couldn't just stay there. He needed to venture out to end up where God wanted him to be. And he writes these letters. In the New Testament, we have First and Second Peter, two letters that are written to the churches in Asia Minor. It's modern-day Turkey, basically. And he writes from Rome. And we're going to focus in on the book of First Peter, right? But we're going to start by talking a little bit about Second Peter. Peter's writings are all about identity. And why, where does that come from? Why, why is it about identity? Well, if you know the Gospels, you'll know there's this account where Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And he says to him, who do you think I am? Ask Peter, who am I? And Peter, you know, all the disciples are busy talking about who people say that Jesus is. Is he reborn Elijah? Is he a prophet? Is he, is he a spawn of Satan? Peter says these words. He says, you are the Christ, the anointed one. You are the Messiah, the Son of God. And famously, Jesus says to Peter, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. Check this out. What's going on in this scripture, right? Peter's name is actually Simon. You'll hear about him as Simon Peter. Simon Peter. But Jesus hones in on the name Peter. What's that all about? That word Peter, that name Peter means little rock, means stone. He's saying to Peter, you are a stone. You are a rock. You are a small rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. What's the rock? It's the knowledge that Jesus is the Messiah. But not just that Jesus is the Messiah, but that on Peter, regardless of his failings, regardless of his shortcomings, regardless of even the fact that Peter denies Jesus, he's going to build the church on him and on the rest of the disciples. Come on. He renames him. He gives him this idea. You are a rock. You are a stone. You are unmovable. You are unshakable. Jesus impacts Peter's identity. In the word, in the Bible, whenever you see it dealing with names of people, it's actually dealing with identity. It's dealing with who you are. It's not just a name. It's not just a name for name's sake. It's actually dealing with your identity, your very being, your purpose, your calling, who you are. And in that moment, Jesus says to Peter, on this rock, you, on this rock, I will build my church. And on the rock of knowing that Jesus is the Messiah, no one else, Jesus alone. And so this exchange, this thing that happens between Jesus and Peter informs the rest of his life. It informs how he leads. It informs what he says. It informs what he does. And later on in life, years later, after Peter has now planted churches and been a leader and had fights and figured things out and denied Jesus and come back and become this amazing, beautiful leader that he is, he writes these letters. And the, the letter, 2 Peter, it's, a, it's actually a really tender and beautiful. We think about Peter as being this really brash and loud character, and he was. But this letter, although it is also brash and loud, it's also really tender because the book of 2 Peter is actually written when Peter knows his time is coming. He knows that he doesn't have long left. He can sense 
that they're coming for him. He can sense that the end is not far away. And so he writes this letter to the churches to tell them what is on his mind, the things he wants to leave with them before he is martyred for his faith. Traditionally, Peter was known to be martyred for his faith. They killed him for it. He writes this letter and he addresses three concerns. Again, just like Jude, just like John, even James, they address concerns, right? He knows his time is coming. He wants to leave these words with his church. He addresses three objections that people are making to Jesus' claim to be God. The first objection. So when you're reading 2 Peter, keep these three things in mind. If you keep these three things in mind, you'll be able to understand what Peter is trying to say. Number one, they made this objection. They said that the disciples made the whole thing up, that none of it really happened. Peter addresses that and he says, no, we saw Jesus. We walked with Jesus. And this is the truth said from the beginning. Number two, there was a second objection that people were bringing up. Number two is that there, is, there was no final judgment. There's no judgment for anything that happens on this earth. And so because there's no judgment, you don't have anything to fear. In fact, then maybe you don't even need a Messiah. You remember last week we spoke about John and the people who were in the church that denied they even needed a Savior. The same objection would come that there's no final judgment because there is no sin that's going to go on and carry on. And you see how the word starts to come together. That's number two. And number three, they asked this, they had this objection, they asked this question, why is Jesus taking so long to come back? These are the same objections the world has right now to Christianity. If you want to know the answers to those objections, you've got to read Second Peter. But today we're going to focus on First Peter. This, was, this is his most in-depth, most theology and, and passion-filled writing. And it comes once Peter has finally been established in his identity. First Peter is all about hope in the midst of suffering by knowing who you are. Come on, I'm going to say that again. Write this down. Because if you're opening up the book of 1 Peter, that letter, you need to know that the whole reason he's writing it is to give hope to those who are in the middle of suffering by knowing who God says that they are. Come on, how relevant is this to us right now, church? How relevant is it to our circumstances right now that there is hope in the midst of suffering and it doesn't come from what we build. It doesn't come from what we know. It doesn't come from what we have. It comes from knowing who we are in Christ. And that's why we're focusing in on it today. Because remember, Peter's talking about identity. He needed to know who he was in God. By himself, he was afraid to be alone. By himself, he couldn't operate and lead and step out there and be bold and courageous. He needed people around him. He needed people around him. But then Jesus changes his identity. He speaks something into his future. And finally, he roots himself in his identity and steps out into who God has called him to be. He becomes effective as a minister of the gospel. And he wants the same for you and me. He wants the same for these churches. And so he writes this. It's so poignant, man. It's so good. You can see how the teachings of Jesus and what Jesus says to Peter comes out in his writings. Check this out. First Peter chapter 2 from verse 6 to 10. Let's read together. It says this. For in scripture it says... 
See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Right? Peter is taking this, this idea of the cornerstone written by the prophets. That's Jesus. The cornerstone is Jesus, a stone in Zion. And, he, and those who trust and put their trust in him will not be put to shame. He's taking this idea again of the stone, the rock of who Jesus is. And he's saying it to us. Now to you who believe, come on, he's addressing the church. This stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, come on, come on, here we go. But you, the church, You are a chosen people. Come on, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Come on, Peter is speaking directly into the identity of who the believers are. He wants you to know who you are in Christ. He wants you to know who God made you to be. He wants you to know that you are beautifully and wonderfully made and fashioned and that nothing can take you out of God's hands. He doesn't say you're, you're uh, you know, good people, you're righteous, you follow the law, you do good things. No, he says you are a holy nation. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people, the people of God. Come on, he's talking about identity. He wants you to root in Christ. And everything that Paul says, he's not doing it to leap, to push you into condemnation or difficulty or or, or trying to match up to who God made you to be. Remember, Paul is the one who failed Jesus so many times. And yet, because of Christ, not because of himself, he is restored, not just to to life, but to leadership, to boldness, to purpose, and to courage. Come on. And he wants to give that same feeling of life to those who he is writing to. Peter's writings are all about your identity in Christ. This church is going through persecution and suffering and difficulty, challenge after challenge after challenge. And and Peter writes to them to say, there is hope, there is hope for you. And that hope doesn't come because you match up to God's high standards, because you've achieved righteousness. It doesn't come because you're a good person. It doesn't come because you are somehow better than someone else. It comes because you are a holy nation, chosen and set apart. It it comes because your identity is rooted in Jesus. It comes because you belong to Him and Him alone. It comes because your identity is in Jesus and when you read that book of 1 Peter that letter 
you have to have that in your mind. That that collective of believers, they were following God, they were struggling and suffering in so many ways that Jesus had an identity for them and their identity was one who has received mercy and received grace, favor, and that no matter what happens in this life and how many difficulties and challenges you face, He has a plan for you and it's never, ever going to stop. Come on, I don't know if you felt this way. I don't know if you feel this way right now at home. Maybe you have struggled in this area. Maybe you are going through challenge after challenge. It's difficulty after difficulty. I don't know what your life looks like right now. But Peter wants to come and give you a fresh identity. Just as Jesus called him the stone, he calls you the stone. The one who is built on the cornerstone. If Jesus is the cornerstone, we are built on top of him. His church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so right now, I don't know what's going on in your life, but I want to pray for you that your identity would be rooted in Christ. I'm talking to you, father. I'm talking to you, son and daughter. I'm talking to you, husband and you, wife. I'm talking to you, businessman. I'm talking to you, singer. I'm talking to you, artist. I'm talking to you who owns a business. I'm talking to you who is working in a job right now and you're looking for promotion. I'm talking to you today. Your identity is not in what you do. It's not in where you are. It's not in who is with you. Your identity is in Christ. And if you will let him fill your life, he will give you hope in the midst of your suffering. And so to everybody who might be struggling today, who might be suffering today, today I want to just pray a prayer over you, the same prayer that Peter would pray, that we would find our identity in Jesus, that we would know him with all our hearts. So come, let's pray together. Holy Spirit, I ask you this morning, that Lord, as you open up Peter and his writings to us, and we will see how you molded and shaped his identity to become an amazing leader, even though he had faults and flaws. And that you do the same thing for us. That even though we have faults and flaws and we face challenges and difficulties, that Lord God, you rise above all of them and you give us hope and life in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our challenges. Even when we fail, you restore our identity back to you. I pray this morning, Lord Jesus, that you would root that message in our hearts right now. To those that are struggling right now, suffering with the idea that they're not good enough for you, suffering with the idea that they don't know what their identity is. I just, I'm praying for someone right now, you don't know where your identity is. You, you move from place to place, people to people, trying to find where you fit in. You fit in with Christ. You fit in with God. Give your life to him as you fit in with him. Father, I pray right now that every person that needs a fresh identity, a fresh understanding of who they are in you, will you give us, will you restore us to that place? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.